This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 167. So with today being Sunday, July 11th, 2021, as usual, I'm doing the weekly news and rumors roundup from the big four rumor sites of Canon Rumors, Nikon Rumors, Fuji Rumors, and Sony Alpha Rumors. So let's head on over to Canon Rumors and see what they have for us for this week. Let's do this! First up, firmware. Canon EOS R6 version 1.4.0 adds Canon Log 3. Canon has released this new firmware for the R6. The highlight of this firmware update is the addition of the Canon Log 3. Canon has also added simultaneous movie recording to both memory card slots. Uh, SD card slots. Additionally, there are some compatibility upgrades and bug fixes. Firmware version 1.4.0 incorporates the following enhancements and fixes. Number one, adds Canon Log 3 to Canon Log settings. Two, simultaneous movie recording on card one and card two has been added. Three, improves operation stability when using the RF 400 F2.8L ISUSM and the RF 600mm F4L ISUSM. Four, fixes an issue in which during the HDMI connection, if the camera screen turns off, a zebra pattern is displayed via the HDMI output. And five, fixes an issue in which sufficient image stabilization effects may not be attained immediately after the start of shooting. You can download the firmware update from the Canon USA website or whatever the official Canon website is in your country. Um, And I did go ahead and put this on my Canon R6 earlier today. So I made sure that I got it on my camera and my camera is now good to go. I highly recommend you pop on over there, grab the firmware update, get it on your R6 so that you have the latest and greatest capabilities and bug fixes to resolve those known issues. Next up, Sigma releases new firmware for the 500mm F4 DG HSM OS improves performance with the R5 and R6. Sigma has released this firmware update for the Sigma 500mm F4 DG OS HSM sports lens that improves performance when using the Canon EOS R5 or R6 cameras. The Sigma 500mm, uh, what it does in version 2.03, it has improved the AF speed when used in combination with the Canon mount adapter EF to EOS R series attached on an R5 or an R6. You can grab this firmware update from the Sigma website, which you can find in the link in this article, which will be included in the show notes, along with all of the articles for my listeners, so you can check them out for yourselves. Next up, the XTAR 7N1 battery charger for the EOS R series begins shipping, and there is an included YouTube video from their official channel. XTAR launched a Kickstarter campaign for their SN4-7N1 AI camera battery charger last month and easily reached their funding goal. I am posting this now because XTAR has started shipping charges to people that have pledged and I am one of those people. Not me personally. This is the gentleman that writes Canon Rumors. Uh, 
This charger will allow you to charge up to four batteries at one time, which is great for anyone that shoots with an EOS R camera. There are also compatible chargers for your Canon DSLR. Quote, as an avid photographer or videographer, it is not uncommon to have multiple cameras and devices on hand at any given time, each that requires their own battery charger and exclusive battery pack. But taking all those with you means lugging around a bunch of extra bags for space or constantly having to swap out batteries or connections to get them each charged up on a single port. That is why we developed the innovative and versatile XTAR SN4 battery charger hub that lets you charge multiple batteries and battery types simultaneously at home or on the go. So you never have to worry about missing a great shot or capturing a beautiful video because of a dead battery. You can check out the XTAR 701 charger at their Kickstarter page, which will be in the show notes. Canon updates DPP and EOS utility, adds full EOS R6 and 1DX Mark III support. Canon has released new versions of both Digital Photo Professional and EOS Utility to give you full compatibility with the Canon EOS R6 and the 1DX Mark III. Both cameras received major firmware updates this week as well, which I already mentioned, the one for the R6. Changes, changes for Digital Photo Professional version 4.15.0 and EOS Utility supports firmware version 1.5 or later for the EOS 1DX Mark III and supports firmware version 1.4.0 or later for the EOS R6. You can grab those software updates from the Canon USA website and this link in the article in the show notes. Next up, Sigma to announce a 150-600 f5-6.3 DG DN OS Sports lens soon. Sigma is bringing another Super Telephoto Zoom to their lineup. This new lens will be a 150-600 f5-6.3 DG DN OS Sports model, which appears to be for the mirrorless mount. So it could be for Sony's E-mount, Sigma's L-mount, and Nikon Z-mount. I don't think this will be Sigma's first RF mount release, so don't get your hopes up. No speci uh, specifics for pricing or the release date have been released as of yet. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Now, it would be nice if Sigma did surprise us and make this their first RF mount. I don't know if they're going to or not. Probably not. I'm beginning to wonder if Tamron or Sigma, either one, is ever going get to get into the RF mount game. Seems to be taking them both a very, very long time when there's so many Canon shooters that love their lenses. Next up, firmware. Canon EOS 1DX Mark III version 1.5.0 adds Canon Log 3. So this is similar to the earlier article about the R6. Canon has released firmware update version 1.5.0 for the 1DX Mark III. This firmware update brings Canon Log 3 simultaneous movie recording to two card slots at once, VPG 400 profile, and more. This incorporates the following enhancements and fixes, adds Canon Log 3 to Canon Log settings, Support for RAW movies shot with Canon Log 3 and RAW Lite will be available in the future version of the Cinema RAW development and in digital photo professional software. Support for the processing of RAW movies shot with the Canon Log 3 and the applications, uh, application of viewing LUT will be available in a future version of digital photo professional software. Simultaneous movie recording on slot 1 and slot 2 has been added. However, RAW movies and RAW light movies cannot be recorded simultaneously on card 1 and card 2. Support for the VP 
PG400 Video Performance Guarantee Profile, a standard based on the CF Express 2.0 specification, has been added. Also fixes an issue in which there are rare instances where the shooting setting for still photo mode are retained when a user switches to movie mode. You can download the firmware version 1.5.0 for the Canon EOS 1DX Mark III at the Canon USA website or Canon's official website in your country of origin. Wherever you might live in the world, Canon's got you covered. Next up, the Canon EOS R3 will be officially announced in September. After my previous announcement date gaffe, I decided the next time I give everyone an announcement date, it's actually accurate. This time, barring any unknown catastrophe, I have reached confirmation from good sources that the Canon EOS R3 body will be announced in September of 2021. I do not have the exact announcement date in September, but I think we may need to be closer to September before the hype machine starts rolling. At this time, I have no additional features or specifications to report. What we know so far, rumored specifications uh, for the R3, a 30.1 megapixel backside illuminated image sensor, which is a Canon first, multi-controller and smart controller, a very angled touchscreen, new accessory shoe, a Wi-Fi at 5 gigahertz, high-speed 30 frames per second electronic shutter with AF-AE tracking plus raw shooting at this speed, AF down to minus 7 EV, 8 stops coordinated control IS with the optical IS and in-body IS, 4K Canon Log 3, oversampling 4K, internal raw video, inclusion of cars and motorbikes and AF tracking technology, internal or raw internal movie recording, speed light shooting with electronic shutter, the same weather ceiling as the 1D series, the LPE19 battery, and dual card slot of SD and CF Express. Now, for those of you that might not know, the LPE19 battery is the same battery that's used in the 1DX line. And I had predicted a long time ago that when Canon started getting closer to making flagship mirrorless bodies, they were going to reuse those batteries. Those batteries have been a incredibly popular and successful battery pack for Canon's flagship DSLRs. And last up from Canon Rumors for this week, the Nikon Z9 will be announced in November or December of this year. Nikon Rumors is reporting that Nikon will be announcing their flagship mirrorless camera body in November or December of this year. This looks to be above Canon's upcoming EOS R3 in the marketplace, so the EOS R1 will be the only likely competitor once Canon brings it to market late next year. Nikon Rumors also has a bunch of rumored specifications for this upcoming camera. Now, these are rumored specs for the Nikon Z9. Newly developed high-resolution stacked FX sensor, integrated vertical grip handle. The Z9 is described as a D6 body combined with an EOS R5 imaging, A92AF, and blackout-free EVF. Nikon confirmed that the Z9 will be better than the D6. It'll be capable of 20 frames per second, multi-shot mode, 16-bit raw option, 8K 30p, 4K 120, 60, and 30p, a new speed processor designed for 8K newly developed imaging pipeline uh, processor to broaden sensor readout emphasizing speed. It'll have improved AF object detection AF 
stunning, and that's in quotes, AF tracking better than the D6, two XQD CFX type B memory card slots, ISO 64 to 25,600 with H1 and H high one and high two, I'm sorry. Improved noise levels and specifically, specifically significantly better dynamic range. High resolution blackout free EVF, probably at 5.76 megapixels or maybe even 9K megapixel viewfinder. 120 hertz refresh rate. The resolution can be reduced to increase the refresh rate. New user interface, no second LCD screen on the back like the D6. New battery, the Nikon EN-EL18X. Gigabit LAN, USB-C, Wi-Fi, and GPS. And it'll be priced in an estimated six dollars to $7,000. So those are the rumors we have so far for the Z9. And that's going to wrap up Canon rumors for this week. Now let's head on over to Nikon rumors and see what they have in store for us. All right, first up from Nikon Rumors, Nikon temporarily suspends orders for the Nikkor 500mm F4E FLED VR lens and other products, announces high demand for the new Nikkor ZDX 16-50 F35-63 lens. Nikon Japan temporarily suspends orders for the Nikon AFS Nikkor 500mm F4E FLED VR Alphabet Lens Soup, currently back-ordered at Adorama, Amazon, and B&H, as well as a few other products due to product production reasons. Here is the full text. Apology for temporary suspension of orders for some products and notice for resuming order acceptance for some products. Thank you for your continued patronage of Nikon products. We would like to inform you about apologize for temporary suspension of orders for some products and notice for resumption of order acceptance for other products as follows. Uh, regarding temporary suspension of orders for some products due to production reasons, it will take some time for some products to be delivered to customers. Therefore, we will suspend the acceptance of orders after July 9th, 2021, which is this past Friday. And he made it, the guy from Nikon Rumors. We sincerely apologize for any inconvenience caused to our customers. We will consider the delivery time and the resumption time of orders while observing the situation and will inform you again as soon as it is confirmed. We will do our utmost to deliver the product as soon as possible, and we appreciate your understanding. Products for which orders have been suspended are the AFS Nikkor 500mm lens, the Nikon SC-29 TTL off-camera shoe cord with AF assist, and the battery charger MH-65P. Notice regarding resumption of acceptance of orders for the extension cord MC-21A and the bayonet hood HB-N106. Regarding these two items, uh, which had been temporarily suspended from accepting orders, we will resume accepting orders uh, starting this past Friday, July 9th. Uh, I will let you know we sincerely apologize for the inconvenience caused to our customers over the long term. We will continue to strive to improve our service and we appreciate your continued patronage. Uh, order resuming products, extension cord MC21A, the bayonet hood HB-N106. Uh, Nikon Japan also issued a notice about the delay of the Nikkor ZDX 16-50mm f3.5-6.3 lens available for pre-order at Adorama, b and and Amazon. Notice regarding supply of the ZFC 16-50 VR SL lens kit. 
Uh, we have received a large number of reservations for the ZFC 16-50 to lens kit scheduled to be released in late July 2021. For some customers who are currently making reservations, it may take some time before the product is delivered. We sincerely apologize for any inconvenience to our customers who are waiting for our products. We will do our utmost to deliver the product as soon as possible. And we appreciate your understanding. So Nikon is still struggling with meeting production demands. And it's not surprising, especially because, you know, a lot of this new stuff that's just coming out is just insanely popular. These camera companies are getting massive amounts of orders and they didn't expect it. I mean, they weren't expecting the order demand to be as ridiculously high as it has been. So they're struggling to keep up, you know, with the wrap up of this uh, global pandemic. So it's totally understandable, but Nikon has been doing their best to get things back on track. And I have full confidence and faith in them that they will get that accomplished. You'll just have to be a little patient. Now, the next up, the Nikon Z9 camera is scheduled to be tested by multiple photographers in August. The Nikon Z9 camera will be tested by several different photographers in August. Expect to see surfing photos and videos from Mexico and more. This timeline matches with the expected rumored release in November or December. Once the Z9 is sent out for testings, testing, we will get another wave of leaks and rumors, so stay tuned. So we will have to wait and see, but it looks like Nikon is going to be putting that body in the hands of some of their ambassadors to start testing it out next month. So that'll definitely be exciting. And of course, more rumors will be flying at that time. Report the Nikon ZFC. Richard Hall from Facebook and Twitter published a very nice and detailed report on the new Nikon ZFC camera. Hello, everybody. Do you remember the movie Misery? It's Kathy Bates' best performance, in my opinion, a masterful portrayal of a psycho. Her ability to change her acting at will is disturbing to watch because you don't know which side of the character to expect in the next cut. It's not an easy job. The only other actor I know of who could do this without any effort is Anthony Wong in his several roles as a psycho. Today, I'll show you something that's able to shift its character at will. It is it a modern high-performance camera or is it a hobby camera for those who want to shoot at their own pace? It's both, and it does both really well. Introduction. The Nikon FC, or ZFC was recently announced, and the response was overwhelming in the sense that it's mostly positive. Many people are expecting a replacement for the well-loved Nikon DF, but we got something else instead. Not quite like it, but it's close enough. It's tiny since it's based on the Nikon Z50, which is a tiny DX camera. The decision to go with the DX is not something many people expected nor embraced, but I guess there's a reason for this. Its performance and looks turned most of its critics around, and it looks like Nikon has another successful hit. In this article, I will give you my impressions about this exciting camera, and I will mostly focus on the context of shooting with it using manual lenses because this site centers around enjoying older equipment. This is not a review at all, despite what the title says, so don't take all of my opinions as truth. I like how this camera handles. The design, langu uh, design language is familiar to all of us who have used a Nikon, so it won't take you much time before your fingers get familiar with its controls. I held it and I immediately got myself going taking photos in no time at all. A Nikkor 24F2 AI-S is a nice partner for, for it as it offers you a field of view that's similar to 36 millimeters. Since it's DX, it works more like 
and F3 lens with it. Since it's based uh, from the Nikon Z50, most of their specs are identical apart from a few things. If you're curious about the specs, just read the complete specs in this accompanying link. It appears that Nikon is pushing for this. Uh, there are several new lenses that were announced alongside with the camera, and most of them are small, and we're finally seeing some new DX lenses as well. It was also announced with the new Nikkor Z28mm f2.8, which has a special edition version, wherein it comes with a barrel that makes it look like an AI-S Nikkor. The main LCD flips to the side, enabling you to see yourself while you use it. This is great for content creators. They will be able to take selfies or see what they're actually recording when making cooking videos or whatever. The screen also flips, allowing you to display a bear bag that's covered in leatherette. This helps protect the LCD and also helps you uh, helps get you immersed into the whole film experience, despite not actually shooting with a film camera. Another nice touch is the round eyepiece, which has an adjustable diopter. Without it, this camera wouldn't look nearly as sexy. When shooting with an F-mount lens, you will need an adapter, making the setup rather long. This is a dumb adapter, which means there are no electronics. A Nikon FTZ will allow some communication with your electronic F-mount lenses, but it won't do anything for a manual one except record the focal length and maximum aperture. That is all. It's better than having nothing at all, as is the case of a dumb adapter. Despite added length, it's still a compact setup. A native Z-mount is, be uh, is best as you can get the most out of it. The, newer, the newer tiny lenses that were announced along with it should give you a small light setup for travel or work. Let's see some of the mock-ups leading to the final form. Like all Nikons, it underwent a series of refinements, small or big. All details were accounted for, such as position, shape, and tilt of the buttons. For this one... Another consideration is its covering because it's meant to connect to Nikon's rich heritage. Here are a few mock-ups. The ability to use the 3D printer speeds the whole process of fabricating dummies. I used to be a scale modeler, and I can tell you that it takes a lot of time in order to create something precise and consistent. This is a great technology that everyone in manufacturing embraced in order to be more efficient. If you have a keen eye, you'll notice that some of the details are different between these mock-ups. Small details like the shapes and sizes of the record button, hot shoe mount, and the shape of the apron appears to be different. This is how meticulous Nikon is when it comes to these small things. The reason why these are black and white is to simulate how things look in an all-black or silver, I assume. Uh, and these are some interesting 3D models. Okay, here's the rear view. It appears that the white mock-up is earlier. There are pencil marks indicating revisions. These were addressed in the black one. You can see that the subtle changes made in the beveling and the shape or depth of the buttons are different as well. Special attention was paid to the shapes of the, len, uh, the levers. Even the movie record button is different between them. If there's one thing I like about this, I'd say it's how consistent the design is. The other brand's offerings look retro at some parts, but then transition into a weird rounded shape reminiscent of newer designs. It's ugly and breaks the silhouette of the camera. It's neither angular nor rounded. If you want to make a wannabe design that looks retro, just go all out instead of doing it halfway. Since this camera has to look good as a primary directive for the choice of materials is important. How it feels when held is a way of communicating the designer's intent, and there were many decisions that were considered in order to give us a premium feel. 
The Nikon ZFC GR1 extension grip also underwent a few changes as evidence in the shape of the finger rest. Uh, here's the rear. Notice how the thumb rest looks different between the mock-ups and the real thing. I don't think I will buy this ever if I do buy the camera. Uh, the color, texture, and material used for the leatherette were carefully considered. It looks like a, uh, I don't know how you pronounce that, Chevy Brown, uh, did not pass the gamut. Uh, gamut. Uh, let's see, each individual leather panel was cut using a die resulting in sharp, precise shapes. This is different from what we're all used to these days, wherein the panels were molded and were made of rubber. It's significant, as you'll certainly be able to feel it when you hold the camera. Of course, the feel of the dials are just as important because these are what the users interface with the most. Uh, these scraps are used to test how the texture of the metal feels in either silver or black. It should evoke memories from the days when film was still the only practical medium for photography. Nikon offers you a service to reskin your camera for a fee. It requires you to send the camera in for two weeks. All of its leatherette panels will be replaced with the type you like, apart from the one covering the rear LCD. I don't know why, but it may be because the LCD is such a delicate assembly. Uh, how about the camera in pink? It looks cute and I totally like it. I am not too insecure about my masculinity, so I am able to embrace anything feminine too. What's wrong with the middle-aged men liking pink? <laughs> uh, let's see, here are more shades. Uh, this reminds me a lot of how Apple marketed the original iMac back in the 1990s. That sure did a lot in helping push sales of the then struggling brand. I hope you could send your own material uh, for them to cut. I would sure want something that has the same pattern as the older Nikon shave. And that's it for my first impressions. I like the camera, but I don't think I'll be buying it because I don't shoot with DX at all. I don't know. Maybe if I gaze long enough, the camera will entice me into buying it just because it's such a great product. It provided the much needed fanfare in the camera industry since things were starting to become boring. This revives a lot of interest in this field and I was glad to see a lot of young people who are interested in it, the same crowd who would, uh, would just shoot with an action camera or a camera phone. I hope that this camera helps give the industry a push by attracting that said crowd back into shooting with a real camera. Here is a short overview of what I liked about it and what I didn't. What's nice, great look, ergonomics, and menu, nice connectivity options, very responsive, unlike the competition, nice AF performance, it just sticks and is rather smart, great viewfinder with shooting with manual lenses, small but well-made, it doesn't feel cheap at all reasonably priced at least when compared to other brands nice angular body so it's easy to make custom accessories the buttons and dials felt nice and tactile and the reversible lcd with plain looking back is really cool as well now what i didn't like exposure compensation dial has no lock easily adjustable by accident uh, front dial should have been like the nikon df this one ruined the lines the shutter button should have a screw in attachment hole for release it would be nice if the thumb rest looks like an advanced lever all black models should be announced uh, split screen feature should have been considered toggle for focus magnification for other Nikon Z cameras as well. Pathetic tiny top LCD only shows aperture value. Customized skin should be free on order instead of an aftermarket option. It looks like most of my negative opinions are just pertaining to its design choices and nothing fundamental about how the camera performs. Some of these may be implemented through a firmware upgrade as well.
I highly recommend this camera to everyone. There's a lot, there's not a lot of faults and the price appears fairly reasonable. There's not a lot of competition when it comes to handling and looks and other retro inspired cameras from other brands don't evoke the same emotions and their handling is terrible and the menus are <laughs> unnavigable. As someone who, uh, who prides in UX and UI in my job, that is not acceptable. The prices of the competition aren't cheap as well, and the build may not be as good as this model. The lens lineup is also important. While the others have a more uh, mature lineup of small sensor lenses, they are overpriced and autofocus just isn't there yet. The focus on small format will also prevent you from moving up shooting with a full frame within the same brand because they just don't have it. At least with Nikors, you will be able to transition to shooting with a large sensor seamlessly if you choose to do so in the future. I see a very bright future. I think this is a camera that will quickly acquire cult status within the year it was announced by one and take pictures with it. And that is definitely an interesting article. With that, uh, before we move on to the rest of Nikon rumors for this week, I'm going to go ahead and take a short break. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. Next up, Nikon and Unistellar announce a master joint development agreement. Nikon and Unistellar announced this agreement uh, supporting digital astronomical telescope development with Nikon's optical technologies. Uh, this is from July 8th, 2021, supporting digital astronomical telescope development with Nikon's optical technologies. From Tokyo, Nikon Corporation has announced a master joint development agreement with Unistellar SAS France. Uh, CEO Laurent uh, Marfisi, uh, here and after under Stellar, uh, Unistellar, a company that handles telescopes for the consumer digital astronomical telescope field. Unistellar was developed in 2015 with the aim of developing, manufacturing, and marketing consumer digital astronomical telescopes. Unistellar's telescopes can determine the user's observation position using GPS and are equipped with autonomous field detection technology that can automatically point at the targeted celestial object by comparing them in the field view or view field, I'm sorry, with a built-in coordinated database. This technology, which eliminates the time spent searching for celestial targets and a dedicated app for smart devices, makes it easier for people without specialized knowledge to use a telescope intuitively and perform astronomical observations. In addition, by enabling image processing during observation based on enhanced vision technology, clear viewing is realized even in areas such as cities where the night sky is bright and greatly affected by light pollution. Allowing galaxies, nebula, and comets to be observed in vivid colors brings excitement for observers, including children. Via the dedicated app, the user can communicate with astronomers around the world interactively and share observed data, which has recently led to remarkable contributions to cutting-edge research by general citizen scientists. Uh, 
Nikon first released an astronomical telescope in 1920. Since then, it has manufactured various astronomical telescopes from small diameter models to large-scale equipment installed at observatories to optical systems equipped on satellites. In this way, Nikon has been widely supporting the development of astronomical of astronomy from that of astronomy enthusiasts and educational facilities to advanced academic research. Currently, Nikon does not manufacture or sell astronomical telescopes, but contributes to comfortable astronomical observation by offering products with superior optical performance, such as the NAV-HW series of astronomical eyepieces that feature a super wide field of view and WX series binoculars that are ideal for astronomical observation. This agreement and the products that will stem from it are aimed at contributing to the advancement of science through delivering the excitement of astronomical observation and enhancing interest in the universe by combining the technologies and know-how of both companies. Nikon is taking advantage of this of its extensive range of optical technologies and knowledge to provide innovative solutions in the astronomical observation field for consumers together with Unistellar, which is generating remarkable growth. As well as this, through further utilizing Nikon's technologies in collaboration with other companies that are creating major advances, Nikon continues to move toward the realization of a sustainable society by contributing to the ongoing development of scientific technologies. And I think this is really cool. This is definitely an, an exciting bit of news, and I'll have to check into Unistellar myself. I've kicked around the idea off and on of picking up a telescope. I had one when I was a kid, and I used to enjoy looking at the night sky. And it would be nice if I could get one again, only maybe get one this time that I could tie my cameras into and take photographs. Now, that would be cool. Next up, just released Topaz Labs Video Enhanced AI 2.3.0 on one no noise AI 2021 DXO Nike Collection 4.1.0. Topaz Labs released Video Enhanced AI version 2.3.0 for upscaling videos up to 8K with higher quality output, frame rate conversion, and faster processing. Video Enhanced AI is now on sale for $239.99, $60 off. You can get it 15% off all Topaz Lab products with code RUMORS15. More info on the new version is available in an accompanying link. On One officially released their new No Noise AI 2021 software that is now available for purchase. A 14-day free trial is available. You can get 30% off On One products with code Nikon Rumors. More info on the new version is available in an accompanying link. And next, DxO released Night Collection version 4.1.0. DxO also extended the Night Collection sale until the end of July. Now $99, regular price is $149, no code required. You can get a free Nike trial at the accompanying link. More info on the new version it is at another accompanying link. A new version of Capture One is coming soon. You can get 10% off Capture One products with the code Nikon Rumors. More info on the new version will be available at the accompanying link. So a lot of exciting software updates from these various manufacturers. And last up from Nikon rumors for this week, the Nikon D6 firmware update version 1.31 has been released. And it has the following changes. Waking the camera by pressing a control such as the AF on button after the standby timer had expired would in very rare instances cause camera settings to change or shooting would start without the shutter release button being pressed. 
The shutter release would, in very rare instances, stop responding after a burst of photographs in continuous release mode or after an uninterrupted series of photographs taken in quick succession and single frame release mode. The Nikon D6 camera is now in stock at Adorama, Amazon, Wex, Park Camera, Calumet, and Camera Canada. And that is going to wrap up Nikon rumors for this week. And we're going to get ready to head on over to Fuji rumors. All right, first up from Fuji Rumors, my first wedding photography adventure is coming, and this is the Fujifilm gear that I'll use. Maybe you remember back in January 19th of 2020, a dear friend asked me if I could photograph part of his wedding, and I accepted. You can read the story at the accompanying link, but we all know what happened in 2020, and the wedding had to be postponed. But now time has come. In just a few days, I will grab my gear and photograph his wedding. Risking my friendship? When I initially accepted, I was pumped and excited about it, and I reported about it on Fuji Rumors. But as soon as I did, some of you guys warned me that I am putting my friendship at risk, which caused a little bit of panic in me. But then I thought back on at what we lived together. Uh, lots of great moments, but we also crossed the darkest hours together, which are too sad to touch on in this article, but I briefly mentioned something in the comments. What binds us is too strong to be put in danger by some eventually not so fantastic pictures. And also, I have been very clear to him and his wife, I've never photographed an event like this. I mean, I know I have excellent cameras and lenses. I know how to use them. I understand photography, but this does not make me a wedding photographer. So do not expect anything near to the professional results of an official wedding photographer. And speaking of the official wedding photographer, the official photographer is the boss. Don't stand in his way. One more thing gives me huge confidence. They do have an official photographer. He will be the boss and under no circumstance will I interfere with his work. He is the pro and he has the skills and experience. So whatever I shoot, however my images turn out, the most important moments of the day will be captured by him. What I have been asked for is to just photograph the present, uh, the preparations to the wedding of the husband, and hence I will go to his home, take a few pictures as he gets ready for the wedding, etc. And then after dinner, the official photographer will leave and I'll be taking some pictures of the people chilling, talking, dancing, and etc. Plus, without interfering in no way with the work of the official photographer during the day, I want to try to get some candid shots of the guests interacting with each other and so forth. The gear I'll use, the power of X. There have been some changes compared to 2020 when it comes to my gear. And so also what I plan to bring is a bit different. My main gear and maybe only gear will be my X gear. I think it's, it'll be something like this. The Fujifilm X-T4 is my main camera. The Fujinon XF 56 millimeter F1.2 to use on the X-T4. The Fujinon XF 35 1.4 to use on the X-T4. The Fujifilm X-E3 with XF 23 millimeter f1.4 glued on it the fujinon xf80 f2.8 maybe what do you think so a step uh, a setup made of two cameras and three primes maybe i'll add the xf80 2.8 to the bunch if it's good weather the wedding will take place outside and in the open space i could use it as a longer portrait lens but let me know if you think i should take the xf80 with me 
and my GFX 100S. Well, I just received my 100S, and even though it's actually easy to use, I am simply just much more familiar with my X gear. Plus, in terms of performance, there is simply no doubt that my X gear can handle a wedding if anything goes wrong, then not due to the gear, but due to the photographer. But as you might know, I saw this image on my Instagram. A friend of mine dropped all his full-frame Nikon Z gear to jump on the Fujifilm GFX system, and he has the Fujinon GF 80mm f1.6. He would happily lend me his lens for the wedding, so I'm thinking if it is worth it to add some extra weight in my camera bag and also bring the GFX 100S with the GF80 to the wedding. I am tempted to leave it at home as I totally trust the X gear I have, but if you guys think I should bring it with me and give it a chance, then it's also no big deal to make space for it in my bag, especially if maybe I'd leave my XF80 at home. Help surveys. I think I've given you an overview over my gear situation and my last few doubts. Now maybe you can help me solve my last struggles by voting in the survey below. Soon the day will come. I will just try to enjoy the day, enjoy myself, and have fun taking some pictures. X or GFX at the wedding, Fuji rumors should bring A, bring only APS-C X gear, bring APS-C X gear and also the GFX gear, uh, bring only GFX 100S and the GF80 1.7 and leave all the X gear at home. <laughs> and on the Fujinon XF80 2.8, should I bring it to the wedding? Yes or no. And you can vote in those surveys on FujiRumors.com right now. Next up, win a Photo Hyper 24 camera bag on Fuji Rumors. This is a giveaway. Copy Speed, or I'm sorry, Causey Speed and Fuji Rumors teamed up to offer one of our readers the chance to win a brand new Photo Hiker 24 camera bag. You can use the giveaway box down below to enter the giveaway or visit this page. For more details about this bag and also about its bigger brother, the Photo Hiker 44, you can check out their Kickstarter page. So it does look like an interesting bag. I did enter. I doubt I'll get lucky enough to win. I never win anything, but hey, what the heck. Next up, Fujifilm to launch the Fujinon GF35-70 F45-56 for $500 kit price in 2021. Here is an important update regarding the rumors we have shared about the upcoming affordable Fujinon GF zoom lens. Now we can share the aperture range of it and hence tell you that it will be a Fujinon GF35-70 F45-56 lens. We confirmed the kit price of $500 and that it will arrive in 2020. One, the Fujinon GFX 100S you can buy now at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, Focus Camera, and Moment, as well as the Fujinon GF 80mm f1.7 at the same retailers. So if you want to get those orders in, go ahead and do so now. Next up, Viltrox 13mm f1.4 additional images and new colors. Additional images of the upcoming Viltrox 13mm f1.4 and 56 1.4 have been shared on the Chinese Facebook equivalent Weibo. You can see all of them on Fuji Rumors. And there are some interesting images here and some interesting color choices. I'm not sure if they would be my choices, but uh, I don't know. Some people like interesting colors, I guess. Next up, the Fujinon XF200 F2 is back at B&H Photo. You can order this lens now uh, for $3,999.95. A few days ago, we reported how B&H 
photo pulled off the Fujinon XF200 F2 from their website and notified customers that it has been discontinued. I investigated this and my sources told me that Fujifilm is right now manufacturing the XF 200mm F2 like crazy due to the $2,000 rebate and they have no plans to discontinue this lens. Well, it seems that my sources were spot on. In fact, B&H Photo just pulled back the dedicated uh, put back the dedicated XF 200mm f2.8 page. So all good. If you want this lens, you can get one with a huge discount now. So if you're interested in that lens, head on over there and place your order. And last up from Fuji Rumors for this week, Fujifilm's new CEO, Mr. Gatto, quote, camera is culture and contribution to society. We won't stop the photography business. For decades, Fujifilm was led by... Uh, let's see, Shitaka Komura, the CEO who overcame the film crisis by massively innovating the company and saving it from bankruptcy. Ebook suggestions, innovating out of crisis, how Fujifilm survived and thrived as its core business was vanishing. And yet, despite all the diversification, uh, Kimura was also the guy who said they won't give up the photography business. So as long as he was in charge, I felt like we were in safe hands. However, Kimura left Fujifilm in March 2021, and the new CEO became uh, T, uh, Tishi Gatto, and it is now unclear, uh, it was unclear how he would handle Fujifilm's camera business. Now we have a little bit more about it, or maybe not, as I've read two reports that are conflicting. Let's start with the shocker, the report at Bloomberg, quote, Fujifilm Holdings Corp's tough decision to accept the demise of its film and digital uh, photography business and embrace the healthcare and semiconductor sectors was validated last year during the pandemic, the company's new chief executive officer said, quote, healthcare and semiconductor materials will be our future earnings drivers. Tahishi Gatto, who took the top post at Fujifilm last month, said in an interview Wednesday, while almost half of Fujifilm's 2.2 trillion yen or 20 billion U.S. in sales is the latest in the latest fiscal year through March came from those two segments, medical uh, diagnostics, pharmaceutical manufacturing and supplying materials to chip makers. They generate about two thirds of the Tokyo based company's operating income. Asked whether there was any chance that Fujifilm would change its name given its evolution, Gatto ruled it out. Film isn't just about photos, Gatto said. There's polarizer film for displays, medical dry film, antibacterial film. Ours is a logo that sticks all that together. And now comes the part that can assure us that also the new CEO will keep the photography business going as reported in an interview by Ashi.com and it's Google translated quote regarding the film and camera business. Mr. Gatto stated that he would continue without selling the business. It, quote, it is also a succession of our culture and will continue in ESG terms, environmental, social, and corporate governance. It is S contribution to society. That's a pretty clear statement that leaves little doubt that Fujifilm is committed to photography, even if other branches of the company are much more profitable. Sure, some things will change in the camera industry. Many of the good old film stocks have go have gone in favor of Instax film, and surely all what is entry-level point-and-shoot compact cameras is long dead, and the focus will shift to higher-end X and GFX cameras. So surely changes are happening and more will come, but if there's one company that can smartly maneuver around difficulties, then it's Fujifilm. 
And I do have to agree. I don't think Fuji's going to do away with their camera division anytime soon. I'm pretty sure that the new CEO is as wise as the previous CEO and the camera division will be around for many, many more years and decades to come, which is good news for all of us, whether you shoot Fujifilm or not. Like I've said many times before, I don't wish to see any of the camera companies go the way of the dinosaur. I'm glad that hopefully Nikon's going to get things turned around and that Fuji is going to continue on with their new CEO. And last, we're headed over to Sony Alpha Rumors. The XTAR SN4 7-in-1 multiple camera battery charger launches on Kickstarter. Now, I covered this earlier in the Canon segment, um, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse. It will be available for Sony cameras, Canon, and Nikon. Uh, also for video transmission systems, monitors, camera electric sliders, video cameras, and video lights. Um, and it does also include Fujifilm, Panasonic, and GoPro products as well. So definitely an exciting four-in-one battery system. Next up, TD Artisan M90 F1.25 tested on the Sony A7R4. You can order this lens for $769. Key features are like an M mount, aperture range of F1.25 to F16, four sets of apochromatic doublets, and four high-index elements. First time I saw this combo, Mobile One, uh, tested the new TT Artisan M90 1.25 M-mount lens on the Sony a7R4. Here are the images of the lens on the camera. And of course, you can see the images in this article in the show notes uh, for this week's episode. Next up, LightPix Labs announced the new Flash QX20 with transmitter for Sony. You can pick it up for $149. You can read about the specs and order to B&H Photo. It is an interesting looking flash unit. Um, it's a little bit more compact, but it does have a really cool digital readout on the back of it that shows you the Calvin scale as well as the power output. Um, and it looks like uh, it does video light mode as well as flash mode. So you could use it for either one. So it is an interesting light and not super expensive. Next up, the Sony ZV-E10 specs. From a leaked video, we can definitely confirm these specs. A 24-megapixel APS-C sensor, a max 4K 30p for video. It's got S-Log2, S-Log3, and HLG, but no S-Syntone. Background defocus and product show function, one times mic jack and one times headphone jack, no Sony new menu system, one card slot, and it's not using the Sony NP-FZ100 battery. Still no info when Sony will announce the new ZV-E10 camera, so saddy face on that part. <laughs> Next up, the A1 versus A7 III IBIS comparison after firmware update 1.10. Jameson Dean made this test to see how the A1 IBIS works with the latest firmware. You can watch his video on his YouTube channel. I uh, didn't get a chance to check it out for myself yet, but it does look like it makes some interesting comparisons between the two cameras post firmware 1.10. And last from Sony Alpha Rumors for this week, we still got no A7 IV, but the CNC is already selling the underwater housing for the Sony A7 IV on B&H Photo. 
The housing is $2,895.95. It's listed at B&H Photo. I wonder if they will reimburse the buyers if Sony does not release the camera this year or if the body layout changes so much, unlikely that it will not work anymore. Uh, So it is interesting that Sony hasn't officially announced the camera yet, but CNC is making the MDXL-A74 underwater housing for a camera that has not yet been announced. All right, and that wraps up all the news and rumors for this week. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, and that is going to wrap up episode 167 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in iHeartRadio and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also, remind you to stop by on YouTube. Check out the Liam Photography YouTube channel. You can find the link in the show notes for this episode. Hit subscribe, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out. Hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. Now, I did recently release a couple of reviews videos, unbox and review on the winner LED light for videography and photography, as well as the winner wireless lavalier microphone system. Now that microphone system is really cool because you can use it with your smartphone, your tablet, your laptop, excellent quality, rechargeable system. I absolutely love it. I actually recorded one of the episodes of the show with it. I'm not going to tell you which one though. I want you to see if you can figure it out for yourself. Now, granted, it isn't as high in quality as my pro caster mic, the XLR mic that I'm using right now, but it is still an excellent microphone system and it's extremely small and compact. Now, I had mentioned in a recent episode that I'm going to be doing a new contest soon, a new giveaway, and that is going to be the prize. You will get a brand new LeWinner wireless lavalier microphone system as the grand prize. I will be posting that contest soon so that you'll be able to enter for your chance to win that system. Also, if you get a chance while you're on YouTube, stop by Forgotten Pieces of Georgia and Pennsylvania. They each have their own channels and give them the same love that you give Liam Photography on YouTube. That is a wrap, and I will see you all again on Thursday. Oh, quick shout out. I want to thank Henry and Emma Sands for being kind enough to step in the last couple of episodes and record them while I was tied up and could not do it. All right. I will see you all again on Thursday.